Children, you're dismissed to go to your classes at this time. I would like to thank everybody that was involved in the crest this week. It took everybody to be here, and uh, you showed up, and that was awesome. And I deeply appreciate that. We're in a series on the Reformation. Would you please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? And what I want to share with you today is the fivefold Reformation that God's bringing to the church. It's reforming us back to the original shape and intent that He had for us. And so I'd like to take you through a text today so that you could begin to comprehend what God's doing in us, what He's shaping in us, what we're becoming. It's an exciting thing, amen? We're not going to stay stagnant. We're not going to stay status quo. We're going to grow into a full, mature body of Christ. And I hope you're looking forward to that. How many of you, were, when you were a kid, you know, uh, uh, at 11 or 12, you were looking forward to being 15 and 16, right? Get that car, drivers. How many of you remember when you were 15 and 16, you couldn't wait to be 18? Then when you were 18, you couldn't wait to be 21, right? Then when you were 25, you couldn't wait till you were 16 again. <laughs> we're not supposed to do that, though, as the church. Not supposed to go backwards. We need to go forward, amen? There's a five-fold reformation that God wants to do in us, so help me uh, in this study. I want to take you through Ephesians 4. We're going to start at verse 7, so please, let's go there together. Ephesians 4. We're going to start at verse 7. Let's read this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let's stop right there. Grace was given to who? Each one of us. The charis of God, the benevolence, the goodness of God, this gift, this charis, this grace, unmerited, you can't earn it, it's just out of his love. He saw you, he awakened you to his salvation, and he's given you this grace and these giftings of his own nature. So to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let me ask you this, concerning Christ's grace, Christ's gift, Christ's benevolence. How much did Jesus give at the cross? How much? No, I think he withheld just a little bit. He held back, didn't he? No, he did not. The measure of Christ's gift is complete and whole. So the amount of grace you're receiving from God is based on the measure that Christ gave to his Father. So let me ask you this, how much grace should we have? based on that. All of God's grace. God is not withholding a thing to his people. Are you with me? Based on the grace and the full measure of Christ, this gift of grace is given to us. Now he goes on saying that. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now what are these captives? We need to figure this out. And where did he ascend to? So he goes to break this down saying, when I said he ascended, what does it mean? That, that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. 
So what he's talking about is, of course, Jesus, the Word of God, became flesh, dwelt among us, left heaven, came here as the greatest evangelist, as the greatest apostle, the sent one, come here to proclaim the prophet. He proclaimed the kingdom. He evangelized. He spoke the good news. He shepherded a people. And he taught us what it is to be a son of God. And as he came here, he descended from the heaven. And when he died, giving the full measure of obedience to the Father, he descended into hell, where the, in Abraham's bosom, in Sheol, the grave, where those who were righteous from Adam until Christ were held within that place to where he took those who were captive, captive unto himself, and then ascended into the heavenlies to the right hand of God the Father where he sits on the throne to judge those who are living and dead. Amen? Amen. That's what he's talking about. And so he ascended. And he who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. So here's the plan, everybody. The presence and spirit of Christ who was in the heavenlies descended into the earth, descended into the grave, ascended to the heavenlies and sits at the right hand of the Father which is a name above every name and he wants to fill the heavens, the earth and below the earth with his glory and majesty. Is this that hard to follow? No. It's straightforward, isn't it? All authority has been given unto me in the earth, below the earth, and in the heavenlies, right? That's what he declared. And so that's the commission, that's the plan. Now Jesus took care of under the earth, he took care of the grave, right? He conquered the grave, and he beat the, the, the uh, uh, grave from robbing us of life. He ascended into the heavenlies, and he sits there on the throne. And so all authority is there, and his glory fills the heavens. There's just one place that he needs to fill up that's left. And that's what we've been commissioned to do. That one place that we need to fill up is planet Earth. Are you with me? And so he gave the apostles, prophets, uh, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's the filling up that's yet that remains. For Christ is in heaven at the throne of God. He's conquered the grave. And now, in order to fill his presence into the earth, he's called his body to go forth and manifest his glory, his presence, where his body. Then he did this by giving us the fivefold ministry of his own ministry and stature, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's the character of Jesus. That's what we have to fill the earth with. With, and that's how we're going to do it as we're equipped with the very nature and DNA of Jesus so that the body of Christ would fill up this planet. That's the plan. Therefore, he said, go into all ethnos, into all people groups, and teach them all that I have commanded you, making them disciples, immersing them, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so that Christ may be all in all and fill all. You getting this? We've got a job to do. But he's equipped us for it. Let's keep going. 
And he says this, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by human cunningness and the craftiness of deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together, held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We're supposed to grow up, people. We're supposed to mature. And the body of Christ for 2,000 years has been growing and measuring into the full stature of Jesus so that his body will fully fill all things. Now that's going on at work in you, right? He's growing up in you, filling all things. We've got some holes. We've got some vacancies where Jesus needs to move into. How many of you know that? That's why our minds need to be renewed. We need to grow daily. And we need to, but also the body of Christ physically in this earth is to continue to grow to the full stature of Christ. But we're too dysfunctional, too, too disorganized. Right now in the West anyways, we kind of walk like those 11-year-old boys who can't handle a body too big for themselves. You ever see kids like that? You know what I'm talking about? Their body's growing faster than their, their ability to handle it. And their feet are big and clanky and they're walking all around you've seen kids who can't handle the maturity as their body is moving and i and we need to move into that and we need to move past our 20s into the full stature into the ministry of jesus at age 30 went into ministry a full-grown man full measure of all his calling and identity this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased you see the body's got to grow up unto the head We've got to grow up. And so what I shared with you in Ephesians 4.16 is the reformation, the reforming of the body of Christ of what we were supposed to do. And God is about to do this. He's doing it now. The rumbling is starting. The growth spurt is, is happening like corn growing in the field. You can hear it at night stretching and reaching into its full stature. And what I read to you is this, that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, so fully given to us, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, or shepherds and teachers to equip us for this work when each part is working properly. So we have no shortage of grace. We have no shortage of the gifting to enable us to do this, the five-fold ministry. What we have to do, therefore, is work properly. And so when we look at what we're doing, God is saying, this is not my design. Where's my apostles? Where's my prophets? Where's my evangelists? Where's my shepherds and where's my teachers? Oh, well, pastor, we, uh, uh, Lord, we have a pastor, and then we sit in the pews, and we listen and learn, and then we come back a week later. It's going like, what is that? What is this? This looks foreign to me. This is not, these aren't the clothes I gave you to wear. And so God wants us to be reformed. As I said, 
He conquered Sheol and the grave. He did that by giving of himself completely. He has filled the heavens with his glory. What remains is that he might fill all things in the earth. And he will do that with his body. We are that body. Now, what did he do? He gave us his own DNA. DNA is the program or the identity of what makes you, you. Deoxyribonucleic acid, five components to the DNA. They found that each connecting part makes you unique. Your identity and your destiny. I believe that in the resurrection is what's going to call our bodies back into a new body. It's a, it's a program. Each one of you has your own, if you will, barcode in the DNA. And so when he calls it out, your body, wherever your cells are, think about people who 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago died. I think there's, their cells are all over the planet. I don't know where they are. And, and anyways, when he calls them back, man, it's just going to go, and there you are. That's the DNA. That's the code God put in within each one of us. Well, Jesus had a code. Jesus had a DNA. His DNA was explained to us here in the fivefold ministry. What we have unfortunately done as a church is that we've made them offices. Nowhere in Scripture does it say it's an office. It's a functioning of the character of Christ. It is not an office that one man holds. And so these are callings and these are functions that each one of us has. Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? When you were born again, you were born from above and the very Spirit of God came in us who is the Spirit of Christ. You were then begotten, born of God. Once you were born of God, guess whose DNA you had received? Jesus. You were taken out of Adam and you were put in Christ and therefore the DNA that you now have is the DNA of Jesus and the DNA of Jesus is fivefold: Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's the ministry of Christ Jesus. That's the DNA of how he fills into capacity all things and that's what he's put within each one of us. And so each one of us has the DNA of Jesus. Now, just like a child has the DNA of his mother and father, the traits of that child are different. If a, if a couple has three or four or five or six or ten kids, each one of those kids is different. How many of you know that? Some of them look more like dad. Some of them look more like mom. Some of them talk like mom. Some talk like dad. They have traits all different kinds. And so do we in Jesus. And so this mix of the DNA of Christ is uniquely mixed in you. And God is calling you to begin to flow in the way that he's called you to flow. Born of his spirit in the DNA of Jesus, you must now function like Jesus does where he puts you. So he is calling you out. Now, I've got... Some of my children are more creative in the arts. Some are involved in sports. Some are more intellectual. Some are this or that. And, and they're drawing on the DNA that my wife and I put into them. But what is flowering and blossoming in them is their own uniqueness of that DNA. And so it is with you. And some of you track with the apostolic. Some of you move in the prophetic. Some of you are evangelistic. Some of you are shepherds and some of you are teachers. There are gift mixes to where some of these uh, attributes, right? They, they blend together and flow. And God wants you to represent Jesus in that unique, beautiful character that you have of him. 
And he's going to develop that in you so that you will put it to use in your sphere of influence so that you will fill in the voids of where you're at with the presence of Jesus. Because how many of you know that Chrysler, for those of you that work at Chrysler, Jesus wants to fill that place up? How many of you remember that we studied last week, wherever authorities and power were given, it was given so that the presence of Christ should manifest in that place. Everything that has power that is not manifesting Jesus is out of the divine order of God. And so therefore, in your household, you are to bring the very divine order and presence of Jesus through the gifting of the fivefold that you manifest, and you're to wear it into that place. You with me? This is the intent and the design that Jesus had for us. So that the body of Christ will attain the full stature and maturity. That's how we're going to win this world. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe some of you aren't aware of it, but Jesus had planned that his body would win the world to him. See, we've got some doctrine that was brought in uh, uh, about 200 years ago into the church that says this world's going to hell and we just need to escape and get out of here. And so for last couple of hundred years, the church has decided that it's a useless effort and I can't wait till Jesus returns and gets us out of here before everything just goes to pot. That is not the original tent of Jesus' design. Jesus said, I want you to make disciples of what? All nations. All nations. He wants us to fill the earth with his glory. And there is coming a time of tribulation, and there is coming great warfare, and that's when the bride shall be her most glorious, and bringing the last gospel message to a world that is going to be at war with God himself. He's not taking his witness out, he's keeping his witness in, and it will increase. So you need to know what you're ready for, and walking in this assignment. And so he wants to win the world so that we would fill this world with his presence, What if we would stop looking at the clock wondering, when am I getting out of here, and how about we get to work to do what we were called to do? We've got an escapism mentality. You ever hire someone who's always watching at their clock when they could leave? Dude, you got here an hour ago. You're supposed to work eight hours. I'm looking for my next break. And that's the church. That's the church. Now... Many of you know this verse. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn firstborn among many, what? Brothers, that includes sisters too. Here's the concept. You and I were saved, born again, so that you and I would be pressed in conformed and shaped, molded as sons of God. That's a title. Ladies, you're included. That we'll be shaped in as children of God because Jesus came so that he would be one among many just like him. Now, you and I are called sons of God. You and I are not the same as Jesus in the sense that he is the eternal son of God, God in nature. We're not. But he elevated us into a position to walk as sons of God in the same authority 
that he has. And he put his nature in us to accomplish that. And again, that nature is defined as its activity in a fivefold manner of apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, uh, prophet. And so we're being conformed into that image to accomplish the full measure. Now, this makes sense. If we're all supposed to grow up into the mature body of Jesus, we would need the DNA of that body to grow into. And if we're being conformed to the image of his son, I can't conform to him unless I have his nature and his DNA. I can't represent him unless I have that in me, and he put it in me and put it in us to do this. Does this make sense to you? Is this logical and reasonable? It is, isn't it? And that's how he's planned to fill this planet with his glory because he's got vessels of himself manifesting all over the the globe. And you are a vessel that contains the DNA of Jesus. And you're being conformed into his image so that you will present that image to everybody you uniquely come in contact with. I don't come in contact with the people you come in contact with. You can't hire me to save the people in your world. It's not supposed to work that way. You're responsible for the people that you are coming in contact with, and you're to attain the full stature of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the expectation of his presence. That's what it is. We've gotten so used to saying these scriptures, we don't know what they mean. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Everybody says that, and you know what they think? When they say Christ in me, the hope of glory, they think this, Christ in me, I'm born again, again. you're boring again, you're born again, and you're going to go to heaven. That's the hope of glory. Someday we're going to go to heaven. You were not made for heaven. You were not made to go to heaven. You were made to bring heaven here. Christ in you, the hope, that's an expectation of glory, that's his presence. Christ in you is the expectation of his presence. So wherever you are, there is an expectation of his presence presence and glory and that's you and you've been given the dna of his own nature to manifest it now it's going to uniquely manifest through the fivefold mix within you now there's a scripture in proverbs that says this many of you know it train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he'll not depart from it right and, and we've taken that scripture to mean train up a child to go to church and follow Jesus, and when they're old, they'll, they'll stay there. And really, if you remember, this was written in the Old Testament. So it really didn't have a lot to do with being born again, train up a child to become a Christian. It, it, what it, it is spiritually train up a child so that they receive and have a relationship with God, yes. But it even goes deeper and in more general terms. In Judaism, the concept is this. The word way, train up a child in the way they should go. In, in, in Proverbs, they, always talk, they also talk about uh, what is mysterious in the ways of a snake, the ways that a young man loves a girl, the way that uh, uh, the rain falls and so forth. It, it's, the, it's the way we operate. And so you are to examine your child and see what is within them 
and train what they, the way they are, train it up. I, one of my children uh, I always thought was going to be a lawyer because this child kept track of every word I said, and when I would discipline, repeat back to me what I said two weeks ago. You're right. Just knew the argument, knew how to do it. It's like, oh my gosh. And this child loved to read, and we trained up the way of that child. So what did we provide for that child? Books. Anytime you want a book, you have a book. We'll buy you a book. What am I doing? Training up a child in the way that they should go. One of my children was very sports activated, right? And so I'm not a sports guy, but I, I tried. So at 9 and 10, I was playing basketball in the backyard. I got a basketball rim and net so that I could train up the child in the way that child was moving. I'm not talking about spoiling, spoiling the child. I'm talking about backing up and encouraging the way and the movement in which they're flowing. And, and so I would let him win games when he was 10 and 11. He just found this out a couple of years ago. He said, you let me win. I said, yeah, you'll get it when you have a kid. And then once he turned 15 and 16, I was <laughs> trying my hardest to beat him. And I couldn't. But anyway, training up a child in the way they should go. And when, you see, our parents were supposed to do that with us. And some didn't get that. And I'm sorry for that. But we have a new parent. And he is training us in the way we should go. So there is a way you should go. And the Holy Spirit's going to train you in that way so that when you need to get the work done, you're not going to depart from it. You're going to lean upon your understanding of what God has backed in you, and you're going to walk in it, and your gifts will lead the way. Does this make sense to you? So the Holy Spirit is activating in us the DNA of Jesus in that gifting, and you're going to be reinforced in that way. Again, some of you are apostolic, so what God has to do is he's got to train you apostolically. So he's going to put apostles in your life. Those who operate apostolically are going to come alongside of you, and they're going to speak into your life. You might have a prophet speak into your life. It's like, that's good and all that, but it doesn't resonate the same. You'll find yourself gravitating to certain preachers. Some of you are evangelists, and that's the way that you move. That's your temperament in Jesus. And you'll listen to sermons, and it's like, it's all right. It's it's too intellectual for me. And then you'll move over to the next guy who's on fire, and he's just preaching it, and he's cutting it loose. And it's like, yeah, that's me. Now you're moving in the way. That Jesus' DNA is growing in you. And every one of you has a way in Jesus that he's training you. And he's reforming the church to move into a people group who are all in the right lane that they should be in. We've got pastors who are evangelists, but they can't uh, afford to be evangelists because there's no room for them. We've got pastors who are prophets. Because they're prophetic and they're, pro- they're prophets, but they can't get a job anywhere as a prophet, so they become a pastor. It's in the wrong lane. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we've not made room for anybody else except pastors. Do you know how many pastors quit weekly? 
The numbers are astounding, and I'll tell you why. They shouldn't have been pastors. They had a calling, yes. They had a gifting, absolutely. I'm not denying any of that. But they're not in their lane. And if you're not called to pastor and you try to pastor, this thing will chew you up and spit you out. You're toast on the ground. And then you get mad at Christians. Because we've shut all the lanes down. Just have one. And it's wrong and God's reforming his church and he's calling all of us into our positioning. So let me take you through that. Let's take a look at this and let's see what is starting to move in you and find the way in which you flow. Now again, this gift mix, you'll operate out of two or three or four of them. But there'll be a dominant one that features in you, that character of Jesus that, that you just love about him. Let's talk about the evangelist. Now here again, folks, and this is where it's going to take us training and leadership from the Holy Spirit to move into this reformation that we're all moving in. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're paying attention to what I've been teaching and if you're paying attention to where this church has been, we're apostolic. I, I'm not boasting. I'm just saying we're, we're moving where the Spirit's taking us. If, if you're paying attention, listening to the radio, listening to speakers, listening to YouTube, listening to what's out there and what's stirring in the spirit world, we're on that edge of, of what's coming. We're on that cutting edge. You'll start hearing it. It'll resonate with you. And so what's happening right now is, let me speak to those of you that are evangelists. We have a problem with this is because what we've uh, diluted the evangelist in the office, the, the role of evangelist, let me say function, not office, the function of evangelist, we've, we've made it someone who just gets people saved. An evangelist is someone who just, and not just, but, but goes out there and, and reaches the lost and gets them saved. That is not the full functioning of an evangelist. The evangelist DNA of Jesus is the word evangel. It is one who announces, one who proclaims. And that could be in the church or it can be out of the church. See, what we've done with evangelists is your ministry is all outside, not inside. But we need evangelists in the church to call things out. Every now and then, pastor, you should bring in an evangelist. And what he does is he just rips the church wide open. Because he's not about subtlety. He's a trumpet blast. And what evangelists are is they are bold. They don't care what you think of them. It's not his church. He'll come in and he'll tell you what's wrong. He's bold. He's, he's bold out in society because he doesn't care what people think. He is so on fire for what is true and right. He's the one that'll speak up when no one else will speak up. Hey, wait a minute, that ain't right. And so, the evangelist is bold. He always challenges, and he brings division. Uh, did we get that fixed? Okay. He brings division. Pastor, no one's supposed to bring division. We're supposed to rightly divide the word of God. Jesus said that I came to bring a sword. And he said that your love for me should be greater than your love for your mother and brother or sister or son. He brings a dividing. 
That's what an evangelist does. He divides between what is right and wrong. He clearly delineates. You know you're sinning. Why are you doing it? It's a bold challenge. How many of you know we need evangelists? Right? And they call it out. And so they bring necessary division. You need to stop this and you need to do that. These guys don't work really well as pastors because they'll just cut you up and people will go, and they'll walk away. He defends righteousness and truth. He calls things out. He sounds an alarm and he operates under spirit unction. That's the time. You know, that's the evangelist who likes to see Jesus turning over the tables of the money changers and making a whip. And he's going, yeah, come on. So let me ask this question among you. Are there people here that are like that? You see things on TV, you cannot take it anymore. Come on, you're lying! Right? This is right, this is wrong. If, if this kind of vibrates in you and you, you have that sense of, of calling it out and speaking it out, stand up for a minute, will you? I'm not going to do anything to you. Don't worry, you're all afraid. All right, this is cool. All right, so this is the way in Jesus that his ministry is going to manifest in you. Stay standing. I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you. Okay? So, so what he's going to do is he's going to train you up in that way. Even if it's just a little kernel right now, it's a little sense of it, you'll get your balance with it. You'll get the power behind it. You'll get the grace to move into it. The key here is now that you understand your way. You know, it's like a college, a high school kid, when he gets out of high school, they say, hey, so uh, what do you want to be? I'm 18. What do you mean, what do I want to be? You have to pick a major in college. I don't even know where the college is yet. Right? So some of you are like, I don't know, this evangelist, but this resonates with you. God is going to move you in that way. Now stay standing, okay? And if some of you, if it resonates, you let me know. Now here's the thing. He's going to train you in that way. So how do you get trained in this quality of his nature? Before you can learn how to operate in his unction and power through his strength, he typically has to strip you of all yours. Maybe you've been in situations where you found yourself weakened. You found yourself stripped of power and you found yourself as a victim. When you've been stripped and a victim, you now develop the heart for those who are in that place and you've got to grow up through that. How many of you have possibly been resisted and bullied? And so you have opposition. How are you ever going to stand for what is right and true unless you have been challenged. See, this is the training you're going to go, I'm sorry. But this is the training you're going to have to go through to be an evangelist because you have to learn not to be afraid of them. You're going to speak it. And you're going to divide things. And so God is going to take you into properly how to discern how to divide what's right and wrong. So you have to learn. Right? Before you can walk, you fall. And you have to learn how to get back up. So you're going to have to learn to divide what is right 
You're going to have to learn meekness. Meekness is this, power under restraint. Some of you got the power down. You're argumentative. You're forceful. But are you effective? That's where you begin to learn how to rightly divide when to speak and how to speak into somebody. And so there's a training here for you. So I want you to just be aware of it, that this is the challenge. And so you're thinking the opposite. I'm not that because I'm going through this, this, and this, so I, I'm not that. It's, in fact, the training to get you there. Amen? Amen? You may be seated. Oh, how we need evangelists today. We need evangelists in our society. The church has been void of the evangelists. That's why our politics, that's why everything has gotten away from taking away from Christianity, having an influence and an impact in society. We've been muted as a people. Why? All the evangelists are in the pulpits. On a street corner, locked in a building. You're not, we're not, the evangelists, we're not trumpeting what is true out there. We're not standing up. How many of you like these uh, TV shows, these political TV shows that have the guys that, that show the clips and say, this is stupid, this is ridiculous. And this is what they said again. They're evangelists. You see what I'm saying? And so the church has been mute because the evangelists have all been packed in churches as pastors, and they're supposed to be out there reaching people. You are the voice of the kingdom of God wherever you go. Some of you go to work. Some of you have a neighborhood area. Some of wherever you gather, you're supposed to represent the DNA of Jesus, the body of Jesus, and fill that place as an evangelist, rightly dividing and speaking what is true and not true. It will annoy people, but you don't care because you're so passionate about what is right, and you know that that's exactly what they need. Imagine going to the doctor and he says, you know what, we've got a real problem with your body here. There's a really bad disease. You know, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> How many of you say, tell it to me straight, doc? Right? No, make it very confusing and vague, doctor, so that I'm not offended. Right? No, 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 no. And so the evangelist is going to rise up. Now, the teacher, let's talk about the teacher for a minute. That teaching DNA of Jesus, the first thing is you must be a student. Anyone who teaches must know how to learn. Your capacity to teach only came because of your ability to learn. And so you must be humble and submissive. You must be a student. But you go after things. You're not satisfied till you understand why this is happening and what's going on. Some of you are like, this is happening. It's like, I don't care. And the rest of you are like, no, wait a minute. Why is that happening? Hmm. Why is there no mayonnaise on the shelf? Let me look into this. You know, I mean, you just go after it. You've got to find out. You've got to research I'm going to Google that. There's no mayonnaise at Kroger's today. What is going on here? You're a problem solver. You're interested in renewing the mind. You wrestle with challenges and knowledge. Your favorite thing to do is Sudoku or whatever that goofy thing is. Uh, you, you, you know, you like puzzles. You like things. You, you, you search them out and you wrestle with challenges because wisdom is key to you. There's a, you work smarter instead of harder. 
and you develop that and you are available. You love giving insight. You love giving information. People want you on their team when they're playing knowledge games. You have insight as a key and because you're a teacher, you're available to people. You're walking by people who don't understand what's going on in a situation and you walk by and you go, uh, could I help you with that? Could I give you some insight on that? Yeah. yeah. That's not the handle. This is the handle. You push with this. Yeah, this is a shovel. That goes in the ground. This is the handle. Can I show you how to do it? And you love to impart. You love to impart. You give and impart. Does this resonate? I know these are very general, but we're just working generally now. Does this, if this resonates with you, stand up. And don't worry if you stand a couple times. There'll be a, 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 a gift mix. It's okay. All right. So this teaching DNA of Jesus, you gravitate not to the action activities of Jesus in, in, in Scripture. You go to the parables. You go to the teachings of Jesus. You like to understand what does he mean in the depth of this thing? And what did he say at the Sermon of the Mountain? Why is he teaching these things? And so forth. All right? Now, Jesus, all your life, Jesus is teaching you in the way you should go. And so you are being shaped by the DNA that's in you so that you will utilize it to its maximum. I was just telling someone, uh, uh, what, uh, oh, we're out of here in five minutes, aren't we? Do, what time is this service over? 10.30. Okay. I forget. Listen, I don't do numbers, I told you. We're going to close with this one, and we're going to have to come back to this, okay? We're going to have to come back to this teaching. So, I was telling someone just a couple weeks ago, after talking to prophetic people, who I'm jealous and they drive me nuts, you know, and they're going, yeah, well, Jesus told me, and he appeared in a vision and a dream, and then an angel told me this and this and that, and I'm going like, dang. Never had a vision, never had a dream. I get the unction of hearing the voice of God, but these people, like, Jesus dictates to them, you know? It's like everything I've ever got, I've had to struggle to get. And I was listening to a teaching earlier this week talking about this teaching gift. And it like clicked for me. You know, I've been struggling in a particular area and I asked the Lord for the reason why and guess what he told me? Read, read, read. That was his word to me. To a prophet, he'd show up in the room and say, ah, oh, la, 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 da, 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 da. And they're going like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I'm like, I would like that. But he's not training me up in visions and dreams. He's training me up as the DNA of his identity. Because when I read, 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 when I study, 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 I develop, develop an understanding for it so that I can what? Impart it to somebody. If I had a vision from them, I can't impart that to somebody. That was mine. They got to get theirs. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I, I, I really recognize this. And so to those of you that are teachers, let me say this. How are you going to be prepared in the way that you should go? Your knowledge and understanding will always be challenged. You're always going to be challenged by people. Why? 
Because you have to have a right answer. You have to learn how to find the right answer. And what you believe is always going to be challenged. God's going to send people your way. I remember when I was 15, I answered the door, Jehovah Witnesses at the door. Man, they grilled me, they spoke to me, they, they, and I was like, oh, I believe in Jesus. Man, it broke me down, and I went away crying after I had met them and talked to them, and I had to dig back. Well, what does it mean? Is he the Son of God or a God? And I had to do all the studies because that's the DNA in me. And so I was challenged. I'm continually challenged on my knowledge and challenged in what I know. How many of you know that gets old? (laughs) But that's because you're the teacher, because you need to find it, and that's how God is developing you, and you work in that. Guess what, teachers? You know how to fix problems. So guess what's coming your way? Problems. You're apprentices. So how are you going to become experts? You know how to do this problem. So you got an upgrade coming. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But I'm telling you, the more trouble you face and the more problems you face, it's so that you will overcome them and become a master at teaching them. And teaching, how many of you know the church needs to be taught how to be overcomers? You see, it's more than just reciting a verse. You know it. It's more than quoting a Bible verse. I'm more than conquerors. Just say that three times. Yeah, well, that doesn't do it for me. No, but as the teacher comes along, you can go into the Word and you can develop a Word and say, this is how you're more than a conqueror. This is how you overcome this thing. And you begin to show them and divulge them and impart to them what you gained when you were in the dirt face down and got up and overcame. Because you're being trained to be a teacher. Amen? You're frustrated for answers. You need to know. Oh, it drives me nuts. Frustrated. Do you know how many times I challenge myself? And others challenge? Ah, some people can watch YouTubes and they watch something they don't agree with, they pass it by. Mm Mm-mm, not the teacher. It's there. What did he say? Hmm, that makes sense. Have I been wrong? Then I got to listen to it. Then I get nervous. Because it made sense, and now I'm challenged. Well, I've been believing this thing, and I right? And I'm challenged every day, challenged over and over and over. It gets very irritating. But then it makes me dig. It makes me find out. And then I see, aha, this is it. I see why. Then when the challenge comes, no, I met that one. I met this challenge a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I know this challenge. So does this make sense to you? So teachers... Don't think because the opposite is happening to you that, that you're not moving in what you're called. It's the training ground that you're being called in. Does this make sense to you? All right. So I didn't realize how I started so late. So forgive me, but I want to teach <laughs> and impart. So we'll continue this next week. I want the evangelists and the teachers to stand up. We covered evangelists and teacher. I am so excited to turn you loose. I am so excited that this is the church. All right? And not this. 
Pastor has his place, but this is the church, the fivefold. So I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for training these people up in the way that they should go. They're not going to depart from it. What they haven't realized is that they have been well-trained by your Spirit. Lord God, I thank you that they've come from all different churches, all different walks of life, all different environments, all different situations, because now we can cover through evangelism and teaching, reaching the lost. God, I pray an impartation right now and an upgrade to what they've been taught, trained, and performing in this fivefold gifting, that it will look more and more like Jesus, that the evangelists will become bolder and stronger in their proclamation, that the teachers will become more mature in their impartation and depth of knowledge, that they will speak into things, Lord God, with accuracy and with keys going into a lock, unlocking the mysteries and knowledge of God. You have been equipped with the DNA of Jesus so that you will fill your surrounding areas with the presence of Christ. Your spheres of influence are now going to be impacted through your evangelism and through your teaching, filling Christ into those voids. Now I commission you to go forth in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you'll receive that charge, say amen. Amen. Amen.